episode 295. We live and breathe brakes, fuel injectors, timing belts. We live and breathe that. Our customers don't. And so what we have to understand is that when our customers come into us with an unknown problem, it is truly the same feeling as what's in the box. And the most common reaction to the game of what's in the box is to pull your hand out. Most people get scared and they yank their hand out of that box because they don't want to know anymore. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, aftermarketers, throughout North America and around the world to episode 295 with service advisor trainer David Eschbach from Spirit One Corp. in St. Louis, Missouri. You're in for a treat as David explains his four cornerstone process to improve customer engagement. Hey, glad you're here, enjoying the industry's most powerful content library of aftermarket wisdom served up on demand and worldwide. Here's thanking Federal Mogul Motor Parts and Garage Gurus for the support of the podcast. When you need serious technical training and support online, on site, and on demand, Garage Gurus is everything you need to know. Find out more fmgaragegurus.com I've been told that the educational value of Remarkable Results Radio is priceless. I can only hope that you find the inspiration to help you on your own remarkable pathway to success. Utilize the website, specifically the Tag Cloud, to narrow your focus and listen to episodes that will support any area that you're working on. Quality content shared by your own aftermarket colleagues is what you got. Hey, in order to stay connected to the Remarkable Results Radio podcast, and because of the big changes coming from Facebook, I suggest you set my page as a priority. It's called a firster. You can set many of these, by the way. Go to your newsfeed option, prioritize who you see first. I believe you can set up to 30 of those that you want to keep in touch with. Hey, thanks for including the podcast. Welcome new Facebook friends to the podcast. Chris Dietrich, TJ Crossman, David Johnson, Rick Reynolds, and Jason Brennan and new LinkedIn connections, Pat Pfeiffer and Jerry Frank. Hey, thanks and welcome. I have a convenient page with every social link at remarkableresults.biz slash social. Now meet David Eschbach. David prescribes the importance of a sales process with the understanding that money is a byproduct of a great service experience. He has learned that the automotive aftermarket is an industry of families, and that is why he is humbled that thousands of service managers and hundreds of business owners have trusted his guidance while on their journey to success. Listen to an in-depth discussion on improving your service counter. It's no secret we have great people on our service counters, and a regiment of training brings fresh ideas, and it helps tighten your customer relationship. David shares his four-cornerstone approach to service counter success. He had me from hello. The Four Cornerstone is a simple process as we look to your customer and discover what is broke, why it's broke, a statement of benefit and the recommendation, and how are we going to do the repair. I'm sure you'll be glued to your earbuds in this discussion. Looking for the cliff notes for this episode? We'll find them at remarkableresults.biz slash e295. Now, here's David Eschbach. A warm welcome to David Eschbach from Spirit One Corp. Hey, David. Carm, how are you doing this morning, sir? Great. A sales trainer with a passion to change the industry. You're passionate about this, huh? 
I am. It is something that I realized many, many years ago. And truly, Carm, I realized that it wasn't something that I could do right out of the gates. It was truly sitting down and saying, I need to invest the next 20 years to become what I want to become. And, and trust me, that was a tough realiz- realization. It was a tough pill to swallow <laughs> because I wanted to do it now. I wanted to come out of the gates. I thought I knew everything. Boy, was I wrong. Every great idea has that drive, that passion. And if the message is strong, which I really think it is, once we get into it, and I want to encourage our listeners to realize you're in for one hell of a treat, as David will share with us the Four Cornerstone presentation that you've been working on for how long? This has been in development for, I would say, 15 years. Um, I first presented it to a group of shop owners sort of off the cuff. I didn't really know what I had, but I knew how I presented. And what I did was I tried prescribing what worked for me. And that is something that I realized didn't work very well because they didn't want to hear and to put into practice what worked for me. They wanted to put into practice what they felt comfortable doing and what works for them. So throughout the next 15 years, it was truly a evolution, a honing and a reconstruction of this method to fit their needs. Yeah, but you, know, you think a shop owner who wants to implement what works for them and it's not working, let's just make an assumption it's not working, which is why they want to go out and, and get some help. If they get help and they can a- adopt 80% of the training, it makes them better. Correct. And one of the keys of this, or really I should say one of the cornerstones of the four cornerstone presentation method is structure. And what I assimilate this to is a football coach. Football coach doesn't send his wide receivers out to the field with the instructions of, hey, just catch the ball and get the touchdown. And unfortunately, Carm, this is what we see in the training regimes of today's automotive aftermarket. The service managers or writers, whichever you want to title them, come into work. They're told, hey, get the job done and we'll see at the end of the week. A good football coach has designated plays with structure. That way, not only can the player run the path that's expected, the coach can evaluate the performance of that player running the path of which was expected. Now, let me take some of the fog away from that and bring that into our world. I actually think I get it, but go ahead, clear it up. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) because it's, it is, you bring on a new service manager and we'll call them for the term for, for just for understanding today, anybody who's writing service, let's just call them a service writer for today whether they be a service writer or manager or advisor. Service writer comes onto your team, and once again, all too often we tell them, okay, you have experience, this is our point of sale system, go crazy. And they have no expectation or structure. And as business owners, we have no true structured way to evaluate their performance. We just know what they're selling and what they're not selling. Now, a whole other show can be brought in about selling because just because you're selling doesn't mean you're effective. Using a structured format provides the business owner the opportunity to conduct a quick evaluation of how their team members are performing. And they understand what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it instead of simply saying, run down the field and catch the ball. 
Got it. No, I, I really get it. And and you're right. Maybe we've got to get you back here to do the sales piece of this. But what I love about this four cornerstone presentation method are these four elements of it. What's broke? Why is it broke? A benefit statement. And I so firmly believe in that benefit piece. And then how are we going to do it? And it, it it seems to me that if I could learn that, you know, get up on the counter and do that, I would have all kinds of love and all kinds of work and all kinds of happy customers. And it makes life so much easier for everybody involved. And that's what's interesting. Even the most veteran guys that I've worked with, the most tenured guys out there, once they realize how easy it is to follow a structured path, not only does their efficiency increase, but their sales success increases. So they're they're checking in and out more customers at a higher ARO. Let's just jump into the four cornerstone presentation and and let's get a great overview for our listener. So it starts with what? The very first thing we want to identify is what's causing the problem. What is it that's broken or what is it that is at the risk of being broken? And the customer comes into you with a concern and they don't know what it is. That's why they're coming into you. And when we don't understand the what, that's scary. And that creates anxiety with our customers. And I refer back to, Carm, if you've ever played the game, What's in the Box? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> you blindfold somebody or you have a closed box and you put your hand in there and you start feeling spaghetti. <laughs> but your imagination tells you that it's worms or that it's snakes. And I've even seen the biggest grown men squirm at this. Um, it's a fun game to do, but it really has a lot of value behind the lesson that is learned from the game that is not knowing the what is truly, truly scary. And it creates anxiety. I love the exercise, but it, could, it almost forces you to, to put yourself in the place of the customer. Absolutely. It does because your customer does not know what's going on with their car. And I think that's lesson number one from a lot of service advisors who are, who are going through this. We live this Every day we live this. There are shops that see in excess of 150 customers a week. We live and breathe brakes, uh, fuel injectors, timing belts. We live and breathe that. Our customers don't. And so what we have to understand is that when our customers come into us with an unknown problem, it is truly the same feeling as what's in the box. And the most common reaction to the game of what's in the box is to pull your hand out. Most people get scared and they yank their hand out of that box because they don't want to know anymore. It's no different than a customer saying, yeah, let's hold off on that serpentine belt or let's hold off on that brake flush. Let's just do the oil change today. They're essentially pulling their hand from the box because they don't know what. And it reduces stress and it reduces anxiety just to pull away and say, no, I'm not going to deal with this. Does that make sense? Hopefully I'm a little... <laughs> no, I'm with you. And and I can't help but think that it's a little bit about storytelling. Absolutely. And that is truly the, the key to this. We want to explain to the customer what is wrong with the vehicle through the the development and through the delivery of a story. We want to be concise, yet we want to be defined. Um, Carm, I always compare this to years ago. I was a sales rep and I was in Kentucky and I was lost. And this is long before the days of GPS. I was lost on a semi-dirt and gravel road and I saw the, this old boy and uh, this old farmer and I asked him where I was going or, where, or how to get where I was going and he knew exactly where I wanted to go. But he gave me about 15 minutes of very defined and very 
um, very proprietary, if you will, definitions. Yeah, of when my, you see Charlie's old white uh, general store, you exactly. don't want to go left there. You want to go right. But if you hit the water tower, right. <laughs> exactly. He gave me 15 minutes. Nice guy. Nice guy. Great conversation. But I had no idea. I was none the better after I got done talking. I'm talking with Mike Zralik, a technical product specialist with Federal Mogul Motor Parts. So you have this this van, and it's the Guru on the Go van, and it's all nicely decked out, and you, you drop by for lunches and learns. How do uh, shops get a chance to get that van to come to their place? Well, they can, of course call into our um, guru hotline and, and request it, they can talk to their parts distributor, you know, and, and through that channel, we can go out and do some training or even with us out in the field. You know, if they see us, we do various warehouse distributor type shows, many different events. We're out there everywhere. Just come by and ask and we'll be more than happy to come by. Hey, Mike, if I said you were a champion for Federal Mogul Motor Parts, would I be right? You betcha. So give me an example. I live, eat, breathe Federal Mogul on a daily basis. Um, you know, growing up, I being in, in the racing industry, I knew a lot about Moog. I loved Moog. Felpro, same thing. To go out and be able to talk about a company this big, this strong, it makes me happy every single day. I, I'm so excited to do it on a day-in and day-out basis. What are technicians saying after you're done with your presentation. When can you come back? They they want more day in and day out. They want more. And, and you have more to give. You've got so many key product lines in the industry. Oh, we, we have a ton of product lines and a ton of training that's available, you know, with those product lines and, and on a technical side, too. How dazzled are the techs to see that compression-loaded ball joint with the pre-installed integral dust boot? They come unglued they are so excited about that because less frustrations you know they've been dealing with issues in the field of damaging that boot during installation and it just it makes it so much easier to put in and it's a beautiful piece federal mogul motor parks garage gurus is your go-to source for the vehicle training technology and answers you need to keep your next job on track on site online or on demand the gurus are here to help keep your business and your career on the road to success Visit fmgarageguru.com. So I think what you're saying is be careful on the choice of how deep your story goes. Exactly. We don't want to get into a technological definition of what's wrong with the vehicle. The best thing we can do, and the primary objective for this, is to master the art of analogy. Ah. And that is something that truly takes some practice from great salespeople. It truly takes practice from great storytellers. The better we are able to build our library of analogy, the more effective we are at delivering the message. And I'll give you an example. Brake pads. Not many customers know what brake pads are. None of them know what it means to turn the rotors. But if we help them understand a visual by describing the brakes on our old 10-speed bikes... And if we explain that those rubber little shoes riding against the wheels are now gone, and that's why we're hearing this screeching sound because it's those two pieces of metal are squeezing on metal, it gives them a reference. And now they are asking for the new brakes, and we really don't have to sell it to them. Real simple analogy. And it is. Basic analogies. And, and, and the key to, behind this, Carm, is the discipline to truly building 
your library. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is for so many of the critical repairs on the vehicle today is you need a, a library of analogies. Absolutely. That is part of our profession. That is something that it should be done throughout the week is to take time and say, what are my top 20 jobs that we sell or our top 20 maintenance items that we recommend? And how can I build analogies into those to make sure the customer undoubtedly understands what I'm talking about? Make it simple. Make it simple. And that's one of the things that a lot, I see this a lot in younger guys. A lot of times younger guys, they feel they have to use technical terms to earn credibility from the customer. And what's funny, because if you listen to T or if you watch TV shows now, most of the time, the lead character, their, their professionalism or their expertise is built on language. It's the technical terms they throw at you. If you watch NCIS or the old house or things like that, they're always throwing these technical things at you. And for entertainment purposes, that's great. But for asking for someone's hard-earned dollar, you're going to miss. So I'm sitting there watching one of those shows with my wife, and I'm going to say, have, have I been in hibernation for the last 10 years? What are they saying? Absolutely. And that is, and, and like I said, for entertainment purposes, it's fun to watch MacGyver sh type of shows where they take the technical and then build a bomb out of a, a, a Lysol can. But we don't have to speak technical. We don't have to show the customer how much we know about own. Wait a minute. You're saying we must, you're just saying we should not. Correct. The less technical, the better. And, and bring the analogy piece together. Correct. And that is and that is something, like I said, I see with a lot of younger guys. They feel like they have to really spout out technical terms to, to earn the credibility from the customer. And the better you can help the customer understand, the more effective you will be. You know, this quote has always been credited to Einstein, but the definition of genius is taking the complex and making it simple. And if we're able to take the complex and make it simple, that's truly the way to demonstrate or to illustrate rather how well we know our product line. I want to hang on this for a second because one thing I always go back on this, everybody has that one favorite teacher they had in their lives. That one favorite teacher they had who was influential in their education throughout whether it been throughout whether it was 12 years of school or 20 years of school. And the reason for that is that is because that teacher made it understandable. They connected with the student. They helped them want to learn because they made them understand. And that is what we want to do with our customers, help them understand. I remember mine, and I'm sure everyone who's listening here remembers their favorite teacher. And, you know, that's a great takeaway for this what piece. I love it. Uh, simple analogies, favorite teacher, make it simple. Can you give us a recap of what yeah. And I mean, I think the recap from what is identifying, first, we have to identify what is wrong with the vehicle. And that removes the scary from the situation. Uh, the customer now understands what's in the box. You know, no, it wasn't slimy snakes. It was spaghetti. Oh, my anxiety has just reduced. Be concise. Be concise when sharing the discovery with the customer. Avoid flooding the customer's ears with information um, about about details and technical inf and technical knowledge. All too often, what I hear from service writers is that the customers say, "I don't care, just fix it." Yeah, well, the customer's going to shut you out when, when, when you're when you're going too deep. They're going to say, "Yeah, okay, okay, okay." For the most part, I don't think they want to hear that. 
if the trust and the relationship is there, I don't think you got to go that deep. Absolutely. And you shouldn't have to go that deep. And that is a good indicator that you are flooding them with too much technicals when the customer says, I don't care, just fix it. It means you haven't connected with them. And then educating on the what will also create value and credibility. See, now there, I love that. I love what you just said. We are lately, it seems like in the podcast, we just keep talking about creating value. You know, we've done podcasts on, you know, installing customers' parts and the problem of the fact that we're not creating value and the what in your program, your cornerstone presentation, the what is all about making and, and building value. Absolutely. It's value in the job. It's value in your business. It's value in driving those extra three miles for the customer passing 10 different shops to come to you. And that's what this is all about. And then learn the art of explanation. Fill your professional toolbox with analogies. And that is part of our jobs as front counters, service advisors, managers, and writers. Okay. Number two. Thank you for that. Great, great. I loved your analogy. Simple yet, um, it, it, it was perfect. Now the great next one is why, and I and I all every time I hear why, I think of Simon Sinek. <laughs> and actually, we we I prescribe his book to almost everybody. Um, it is human nature to ask why. Uh, why is the first question we ask, regardless of situation. If I walk up to you on the street and give you a hundred dollars your first question is going to be, why are you giving me this? Why me? Why me? Why me? <laughs> why me? <laughs> or if I walk up to you on the street and kick you in the shin, why did you just kick me in the shin? It's as human nature, we strive to understand the why. Why did a tsunami happen? Why did a plane crash? Why did this person achieve success? Why, why, why? And that's one of the hottest commodities out there. If you can, dis- if you can provide the why, then you've provided something that is absolutely invaluable to the customer. So think about it, your day in the why, how important this is, Carm. I mean, why should I go to the gym? We're all going to be asking ourselves here that here, you know, at the beginning yeah, of the oh, year. Another, yeah, we're, we're recording this at the end of December. And our resolutions are set, right, David? Absolutely. And we're, we're going to lose 20 pounds in January, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to go to the gym to do it. That's yeah. why. That's why. <laughs> why is my dog barking? Why is my alarm going off? Why is traffic so bad? Why, 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 why? That's the number one thing out there. So when we provide the why to a customer, we truly create value and purpose to your presentation that will come up. So when you think about it, Carm, when we tell a customer they need new brakes because they are warm, that's really no different than saying, because I said so. And the customer may not perceive value because they may not understand the why the brakes are worn or why it is important to replace your timing belt. And that's one of the biggest, and if you were to take anything from this podcast and work on it, I think taking the issue of a timing belt and effectively honing your presentation on why because look at it from the standpoint of a customer the timing belt i can't see it it's not broken and when you fix it my car will truly run no different well okay sure you can have my 1700 bucks <laughs> i mean it's it's a tough sell if you can take the explanation of why without and while taking out all the scare tactics and all of that, then that is a great lesson or a great exercise to, to conduct when 
defining the why. It's also the key to successful successfully creating loyalty. By educating the customer on the why, we do reduce anxiety. Because think about it. Our customers, they don't budget for car repair. I know they're told to, but not not one of them does that. Yeah, I guess when I'm surprised with a big repair bill, I say, why me? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Why did this happen? Why is it going on? They have no control. It's, uh, they're in that unknown again. So effectively educating your customer on the why, it also creates what I call a tomorrow. If the customer understands why something failed, they will listen with a more open mind to maintenance recommendation for other items. So let's take a look here and say, you know, why did my water pump fail? Well, the coolant hasn't been changed in 105,000 miles and the belts haven't been changed in 105,000 miles. I'm not going to sit here and say that doing a coolant flush and replacing belts going to going to put off the problem of or going to, to delay the problem of spinning a bearing on a water pump. However, if we help explain to them why the water pump corroded, they may listen with a more open ear to the importance of flushing the coolant every 50,000 miles or even replacing the belt every 70,000 miles. Got it. This this is, in my mind, the education phase. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is, and it's, it's, education really focuses around why. And the better we are able to explain why this happened, once again, I say it creates a tomorrow. It just has been, it's proven itself throughout the years. Yep, I like that. Creates a tomorrow. Powerful stuff. Give me a recap on why. When defining the why, we focus on the car and not the driver. So if the car broke down due to a lack of oil changes, if car comes in with, let's say, 90,000 miles on it, and it's had five oil changes. We don't want to focus on the driver. We wouldn't say, we don't want to say because you didn't change your oil. That's why. Now, we know in the background that's the cause, but our why wants to be, we want to focus on the car. So we want to talk about the importance of proper lubrication and not because you didn't change your oil, you know, every. 5,000 miles or 3,000 miles. So when defining our why, we want to make sure we focus on the vehicle and for the functions of the vehicle, not on the driver. Does that make sense? Yeah, why lubrication is important to the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Which then makes, hopefully, if we're effective, then makes the driver uh, more open-minded and they buy in, or, or rather they listen to our message with a more open mind and they buy into the reality and the need for changing their oil at specified intervals and not every 40,000 miles. So that's part of uh, explaining the why. And then when defining our why, we always want to create our tomorrow. And once again, this is a great time to plant the seed for responsible maintenance habits. So, and the way to do that is we have to understand our systems of the vehicle and we have to understand how they work and how they, they work with one another. Beautiful. I love it. We've got the what, we've got the why. Now, number three is the statement of benefit. And I love the benefit piece. Go ahead, man. Bring me in. Absolutely. The statement of benefit. And this is also my favorite because this is the, this is the gift to the customer. This is the something that, 
we're providing them. This is the fun part, if you ask me. I base this off benefit first recommendation. And the reason why I follow that is because it's natural. It doesn't really matter what we seek as individuals. We always begin with defining how we will benefit from the process. This goes back to Stephen Covey's notion of begin with the end in mind. It focuses on victory. Uh, It focuses on a state of achieved solution. And it triggers the buying motive. It's all positive. And that is why I like it so much. Because it's truly that gift that we're giving to the customer. Um, And once again, Carmen, it's natural. We always, always focus on the benefit. We relate to benefits. Absolutely. human, human nature, we relate to benefits. Absolutely. Not features. No, no. Features are cool. Benefits are real. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, it's, you know, I always go back to this. If... I use this example a lot. If I say, okay, Carm, first of all, you've got to start saving your money and go on a diet. And then you've got to take some time away from work, some vacation days, and then you've got to pack some clothes. And then you got to get up early in the morning. And then you got to get out and head to the airport. And hopefully you miss traffic. And then you got to get on a plane. And then you've got to transfer. And then you got to hope you didn't get that B seat somewhere around. Hey, Carm, you got to get up in the mer- early in the morning. I lost you. Benefit first says, hey, Carm, we're going to Hawaii. And then everything else is lost. Yeah, sure. We've got to get up early. We've got to go to the airport. But guess what? We're going to Hawaii. The end in mind, the benefit. And that's what captures your attention. Not all those steps leading up to it. And that's why the benefit has to be stated first, because we lose our customers in this minutia of features. When we're talking about, yeah, we have to replace the brake pads and turn the rotors and bleed, and bleed the system and blah, blah, blah. Your customers have glazed over at that point. Okay, so I walk in, uh, my car has been just toting, it's on a hook, it doesn't run. And I walk in, and I, of course, it's not your fault, David, but yet I'm... I'm in a tight spot. What's the benefit statement to me? Benefit statement to you is, first of all, we're going to get the car. uh, We're going to get the problem identified quickly. Then, depending upon where you need to go, it's we're going to get you to where you need to go quickly. Um, We're going to work with you as a partner. We're going to work with you to achieve the solution as fast as possible. You brought the benefit statement with a ton of value right there. I don't want to focus on diagnosing. I don't want to focus on getting it in the shop. I don't want to focus on any of that. It's the solutions to my problems. And that's what they expect. Yeah. The customer has an expectation for us to fix a car. That's what we do. I don't, I always say this, I don't celebrate the fact that Baskin Robbins has ice cream. That's what they do. I expect them to have ice cream. I celebrate the fact that it tastes good and it's fun to eat. Or whatever mood I'm in, I have 30-some choices, I guess. Choice, exactly. <laughs> Our customers aren't necessarily going to celebrate the fact that we can fix the car because that's what they're coming in. That's what they expect us to do. Now, yes, we have to have we have to maintain quality of workmanship. Absolutely. I don't want to devalue that part of it. But the customer expects us to fix their car. So what's in it for them in the process of fixing the car? Services beyond my expectation, I guess. Correct. Once we've accomplished the what and the why, 
we truly want to focus on what's in it for that customer. So I always go back to simple brakes. And before we start talking about replacing brake pads and turning rotors, let's, you know, let's focus on what we'll achieve at the end of the day. Cleaner wheels, shorter stopping distance, firmer pedal. Those are things that are beneficial to the customer. Those are things that they can feel. Those are things that they can experience. Who's turning rotors? Well, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, and I always, and you know what? I still hear that throughout a lot. In the last two weeks, I think I've been in about 65 shops and I still hear that a lot throughout the shops is turning rotors. And I know we're sidestepping here a little bit, but I always, I always ask the guys, I said, Hey, let's go to our local Walmart and I'll give you a hundred dollars and you can pick out 10 people that you want to pick out. And if more than two of them can precisely or accurately define what it means to turn a rotor, I'll give you a hundred bucks. No one has taken me up on that challenge yet because at the end of the day, customers don't know what, what does that mean to turn a rotor? Uh, so I guess we're just going to make sure your brakes are right. They're going to be safe. They're not going to grind anymore, but the turning is almost getting into the detail. That's just not important. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are, once again, you're flooding them with, with features, with technical minutia. And even your most technical engineer, and I know we run into this all the time, and I've worked with shops who are in Friendswood, Texas, where NASA is. Even the most, even the rocket scientist, <laughs> sure, they want to talk technical with you because that's what they like, but they still seek what's in it for them. They want to know what that benefit is. So it's something that we have to be careful of that we, that we don't minimize the importance of our technical accomplishments, if you will, or why we do things better than somebody else because of the quality of our parts. But we don't want to bury them in that. We want to make sure that they understand what's in it for them. A couple of rules regarding benefits is that benefits are something that improve the customer's situation. They're not something to avoid a negative. And we hear okay, that explain a lot. That, explain that one to me. That's, this is real common. And this is one of the hardest habits to break with a lot of service advisors. What they do is, is what we hear is, and it's, and this is, this is, it's natural. It's easy to do. What we hear is we hear people say, Oh, a new starter, you know, a benefit to a new starter is that you won't be stranded in a parking lot. That's not a benefit. That's avoiding a negative. That wouldn't turn me on. Exactly. A new starter, what's that going to do? A new starter is going to start that car quick and strong every time. And then let that assertive benefit take over the fear of the parking lot scenario. Yeah, I guess if I would be stranded on the side of the road, is it would be a benefit to have a new starter. But is that really the best way to present that? It, absolutely. This is one we hear with the brakes. And, and no matter how many listeners are out there right now, I'm going to say... 99.325 of them right now are going to smi uh, smile just a little at this. You know, oh, if you don't get new brakes, you could get into an accident. How many times have we heard that? And throughout the years, we use that new brakes. If you don't get these new brakes, I can't guarantee the car will stop. We've heard that in our industry so often. And that's not a benefit. That's avoiding a negative. So what would real, and that's not going to, to entice a customer. Um, what's going to entice a customer? 
shorter stopping distance, safer vehicle, quiet brakes, clean wheels, firmer pedal. That's what's going to make the customer say, I want that. Is safety in there anywhere? Absolutely. Absolutely. A benefit of, let's say, new, brand new brakes is maximizing the safety of your vehicle. Once again, we can go back to the shorter stopping distance or greater control in a brake and turn situation. Greater control of or greater functionality of your ABS system in an emergency. So what you're saying is take the negative. And when I, when I hear the word negative in all that you just said, I thought of the word fear. You, you don't want a benefit to be a fear. Absolutely, because a benefit never is a fear. If you look at buying a big screen TV, let's say I'm selling a 100-inch screen TV to you, my benefit statement wouldn't be, so you don't have to watch this on a small screen. My benefit statement would be, so that game comes alive in your family room. It's like you're there. There, exactly, exactly. So why should car repair or why should automotive repair in any way, shape, or form be different? And... Everything we buy, everything we're presented with is a benefit. Look how easy it is to use. Look how more efficient you will be. Look at how much more money you'll make. Everything we purchase in life is built on a benefit. You just mentioned a little bit ago about having a a box full of analogies. Yes. Everything you do, you have to have quality benefit statements too. Absolutely. Everything you do should be, every service you present, every repair you present should be accompanied with a solid benefit statement. So in the class that you give, are you working on helping the service advisor create these on their very own? Or do you expect them just to, um, you, you toss them off and says, here, go write them? No. What we do is we help them create. And, and, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here because I know I want to talk about this, but creativity is quite possibly the number one um, tool that we have to hone and develop. Um, However, it's not an easily developed tool. Um, So if somebody were to come for help, I'm not going to expect them to be automatically creative. So yes, we help them and we help build a library of statements of benefits of analogies you want to be a better service advisor hone your creativity i think that's what you just said right absolutely okay. absolutely so ultimately the benefit statement it's the what's in it for me that's telling the customer what's in it for me um and i know what i use is i use something called the WIFI. what's in it for you um that's from neil rackham from the book spin selling the WIFI says every time a customer comes into the shop or every time a customer comes in, I'm thinking to myself, what's in this for you, Mr. and Mrs. Customer? I know you may come in and you may have a concern about a squealing belt, but what's in this for you? And that's what I want to identify. And that's what I want to make sure I address with that customer. Because if we simply replace the belt, then we've truly done Nothing more than everybody else can do up and down the street. So what's in this for you? Whether it be a great explanation of how the belt wears, whether it be a great benefit statement of what it means to have new belts, or whether it means creating trust and loyalty from your customer. Yeah, I think the end result is what's in it for me or what's in it for you is the ultimate buying decision right there, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's 
what we want to accomplish with a good benefit statement. Once again, no matter what we purchase, when we make that purchase is when we check off that box of what's in it for you or what's in it for me. I have so enjoyed this so far. The fourth point in the program is the recommendation. Carmen, this is simply how we're going to do this. How are we going to achieve the benefit statement? Um, but we still have to build value in the process. And this is, what I, this is when I say we have to employ complete system explanation. And so let me use a simple break job again as an example. All too often, we tell the customer we're going to replace the front pads and turn the rotors or replace the rotors. Where's the value? In fact, our technicians complete far more than simply replacing pads or turning rotors or replacing rotors. Our technicians actually inspect the master cylinder, the brake lines, the brake caliper, the dust boots, the hardware. They often look at the rear brakes, or they should be looking at the rear brakes, and they often conduct a test drive. But do our customers know this? Are we building value into the steps of everything that's done during the recommendation for the customer. So you're saying, here's what we recommend. And oh, by the way, this is all the other things that come through with the task or the job we're doing. Absolutely. So you're saying, bring the extras? <laughs> exactly. Bring, or at least... It's not the... It, no, they're not the extras. It's just... The, it's the routine job. Let's tell everybody what it is that we really do. And, and Exactly. And I think that is something that is all too often missed it's devalued because we think the customer doesn't want to hear they about it. They don't think they care. I think they want insight. Really, I think you're creating the the value statement there. Absolutely. And it's building value in the process. I learned this 10 years ago. Um 10 years ago I was talking to a young woman and she came in to get windshield wiper blades. Um not only did they change her windshield wiper blades, car was running fine, but the technician checked the wiper motor to make sure that all three speeds worked as they should. They cleaned out and checked the lines to make sure that the lines were free and were able to uh, to have the washer fluid come through there. They checked the washer pump and they topped off the fluid. These are all very basic things. But she was blown away by the value. She said, I just needed the wiper blades, but you checked the entire system. And they said, yeah, that's what we do for our customers. It was something that sat with me so much that I said, we have to do this with every single system that we, do, that we, that we prescribe. or every, We have to do this with every primary concern that we address. I Make say. sure that everything that drives that component you're selling makes it actually function at 100%. Exactly. And our technicians are doing this anyway. The wiper blade analogy and, and, and the fluid and the hoses has everything to do with the brakes. Same thing. Absolutely. It's, it's if you look at the brakes, you, your technician, he's ex, he or she is inspecting the caliper, the hardware, the lines, the rear brakes. But are we telling this to the customers? Are we sharing this with the customers? Are we building value into this with, this, with the customers? Well, it's cool. If, I guess if the shop had a very distinct process written on how to do a brake job, that process is exactly what the customer needs to hear. Absolutely. And that's something that, Carmen, that's something that I work with a lot of shop owners about is many of them really like to identify written processes, roles and responsibilities. And so if your shop does have a process for your technician to cover while they're doing breaks or while they're doing a 
inspection, safety inspection during an oil change, share that with the customer. That has to be shared with the customer. In fact, we naturally do it a lot during those safety uh, inspections. A lot of shops have the colored sheets and the check marks and the so forth. Are we doing this on repair? And that's where I always prescribe complete system explanation. And the key behind this is identifying at least five components related to the primary concern. Okay. Now, I'm not, Carm, I'm not saying that we try to upsell, which I don't believe in that word at all. But just for a layman's term, I don't say that we try to upsell five related components. What I am saying is that we share with the customer that we've inspected the related components. Okay, so if I'm coming in for a water pump, give me five related um, components. Absolutely. Just off the top, um, you come in for a water pump, we're going to share with you the, the, the condition of the coolant and the, the, uh, the uh, installation of new coolant, the condition of the belt and the replacement of the belt, the radiator, um, the thermostat, the cap, um, and you can even extend that list by saying the heater core or the heater hoses. We want to share with the customer that we've inspected the entire system. And the customer wants to hear parts of the system that are working well. So, Carm, while we replaced, while your technician, Tom, replaced the water pump, he also inspected the radiator. Great news on that is the radiator's in perfect functioning order. Um, looks good. I hear you, but but wait a minute, David. Do you do this before or do you do it upon a checkout at the end? This is, this is upon selling the job. Okay. So you're saying, listen, we know we're doing the water pump, but we're also going to do all this other stuff. Now, in, in, you're also setting up the the customer where if they find some belts that really need some attention, they're not going to be surprised by it because you, it's it's part of the process. It's it's why you're here. It's it's a benefit of doing business with us. Exactly, and this is where I always say, don't be afraid to be absolutely basic. Carm, in addition to your water pump, your technician Tom's going to look at six other primary components of the system, and those are the coolant, the radiator, the belt. So you can even be as basic as saying, we're going to look at these five or six different systems in the vehicle. And that's also a great way to show transparency to your customer and for them to understand what to expect. Digital vehicle inspections are looking at 27, 28 different uh, systems and components of of the vehicle um, today. I mean, you know, if we were going to look at a water pump and belts and radio, it's all part of the digital vehicle inspection process that many shops are into today and it's the future it's it's the now you need to do this does that any of that change your uh, recommendation phase here no i think if anything it adds to it complements it it provides the digital inspections are just another tool to help convey the message the one thing that i do always warn and i know we've had you know you've had some great guests about millennials and so forth but the one thing that we can't forget to do is human com- is communication. And instead of just saying, I'm going to email you the checklist from the digital inspection, we have to hone our ability, our skills to deliver the message from what that digital expe- inspection is identifying. We have to use those tools in conjunction with one another. So regardless of how many 
oh, how up to date we are or how cutting edge we are in our technical digital inspections, we also have to work as humans, as communicators, to develop our skills on how to deliver that information in a fashion or in a manner that the customer understands. Are you saying you don't want to, you don't want to leave me alone with the information? I tell you what, it is that's a topic that I talk about with a lot of people and there's a little bit of a fork in the road, if you will, on, on my explanation here. Do I prescribe sending the information out first and letting the customer digest it and then following up the phone call? I think, and I'm going to say that using my air quotes here, I think that I have discovered that that is the most comfortable and effective manner. However, it does require the follow-up phone call to go through what you sent to the customer. I, I don't disagree with you. I've heard, heard a lot of in, interesting information about that. And one day we need to do an episode on just how to follow up on the flow of information from DVI. I, I Thank you. I'm going to have to write that down. We have to get to that. You know, once again, it's, it is just the importance on being able to define the information that you sent to somebody as well. Because remember, we're sending information that we are familiar with they may not be familiar with the information that they receive it. Got it. Got it. Hey, David, I love where we have gone with this. It, it makes so much sense to me. I'm bought in. I'm ready. Four cornerstone presentation method in, for the service advisor. What, why, statement of benefit, and recommendation. Can we put it all together and do a role play or at least let me hear how you would present a break job? Absolutely, Carmen. I think that's the best way to really, you know, get the big picture of it all. So using that basic break job, the customer is most often going to come into your shop because of an indicator. Well, I got grinding brakes, for example. There you go. Okay. And that's a huge indicator. So the very first thing we want to identify is the what. And this is something we want to share with the customer. Your t- technician, Tom, and I'm going to throw little things in there like that as well, always present the technician's name, always give ownership of the technician to the customer. Your technician, Tom, discovered, Tom didn't find anything, he discovered that the grinding noise is coming from your front brakes. So we identified very quickly, very concise where the grinding noise was coming from. Now we want to educate our customers. So we have to stop and ask the customer if they understand how the brake system works. And it can start with as simply as asking, Carm, are you familiar with how your brake system works? I'm going to stop here, Carm, because a lot of the pushback at this point is that we don't want to insult customers. That comes in the tone that we use. Are you saying that you don't want me to answer? You just want to say, hey, remember the 10-speed bike? You don't want to put me on the spot by saying I do or I don't know? Correct. So we go. We can go right into, so Carm, remember the 10-speed bikes you were riding as a kid? And we can give them the example of the brakes right there. I never thought of it that way. I know how they work, calipers and squeezes the rotor, but wow, my 10-speed bike. Yeah, man, I never I never thought of that. And that's exactly it. It's a very soft way to say I'm educating you without insulting you. Um, and that is why it's so important to really have your analogies in your back pocket ready to go. Um and so once we do that, we've identified the what, we've, we've educated the customer with the analogy, and then we're going to go right to the why. So now that we've identified what was grinding, what, uh, what they are. So Carm, in this case, your vehicle has 90,000 miles on it. Brake pads are designed to wear down with every, every time you hit the brake, they will wear just a little bit. And after 90,000 miles, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. 
So, and then we want, and now if mileage is significantly less during our discovery phase, which is a whole other podcast, um, we may have discovered that, you know, you're pulling a boat or camper and then we want to start planting the seed for premium or severe duty breaks at that point in time. But identifying the why this has happened is a great, uh, is a, it's a great opportunity to really get the customer talking as well about how they use their vehicle. Okay, great. Love it. And then our statement of benefit. So, Carm, what we're going to accomplish today is nice, clean wheels, because we know you have a lot of brake dust up there, quiet brakes, so whenever you pull out of your driveway, you're not waking your neighbors, and uh, shorter stopping distance, which also maximizes safety on your vehicle as well. So, we're going, to get, we're going to accomplish a lot of things today, Carm, and the way we're going to do this is your technician, Tom, is going to inspect the entire system of the vehicle, and those components are this, 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 and this, your brake caliper, your hoses, your master cylinder. He is going to replace the pads, replace those rotors. He's going to flush out all that fluid and inject a new fluid into it. He's going to take the car on about a five-mile test drive and hit the brakes hard a few times to make sure that they are working properly. At that point in time, the car will be ready to go, and you'll be ready to get going. That's how easy it is. Love it. Thank you. Great role play. No, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit hard to do with one person. but it's, Where do I it's, sign? And it's just, it's building confidence in not only what you do, but in what the customer will receive. Well, it sounds like there's a lot more we can do. If you, would you come back and, and let's let's get in deeper on some other areas? Oh, absolutely. It'd be my honor to come wow. back. So just real quick, can you give me like a, a minute and a half on your background? Obviously, you, you're a, a well accomplished in the industry. So you've been around the horn a little bit. What have you done? It's one of those things where I was born and raised in the industry. After coming out of the University of Kansas, I, I didn't know I was going to be in the automotive industry, but I ended up there, um, worked for GM for a little bit, and then started my own brake caliper manufacturing company and married that to automotive repair. And then I've had the opportunity to work with some great companies throughout the years, um, great companies that have allowed me to really explore what I feel like I, I, I could accomplish. Um I've had the opportunity of writing curriculum for major franchises. I've worked with over a thousand service managers and service advisors and several hundred owners um, putting together curriculum and structured process. And then uh, right now, I work with online training. And then I also own and operate a towing company, which a lot of people will, will smile at. But <laughs> it is it is one of those things that provides me opportunity to work for my clients and not for my checking account, um, if that makes sense. Wow, interesting. Yes. So it provides income that, that I can make smart decisions when taking on clients and make smart decisions when investing time into online classes and seminars. David Eschbach from Spirit One Corp. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Open, uh, I think, all of our eyes into your process of uh, locking down more sales and creating value at that service counter. Thanks for being here, man. Carm, I appreciate the opportunity. It truly, truly is my pleasure to be with you here this morning. Thank you, David Eschbach, for sharing your four cornerstone approach to service counter success. Hey, I loved your passion for improving the relationship and experience with service advisor and customer. Well, well done. For the Cliff version of the talking points in this episode with David, go to remarkableresults.biz slash e295. And while you're there, 
Under the Resources tab, find the Tag Cloud and discover episodes that target your special area of interest. And thank you for joining us and your support of the Aftermarket's premier podcast. I know you're finding a treasure trove of learning opportunities and wisdom in the podcast archives. That includes the individual interviews and the Town Hall Academy single subject forms. Hey, if you have any questions or comments, email me at carm at remarkableresults.biz. Thanks, and talk soon. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time...